Justice, kindness, walk humbly with our God. Oh, goodness, the disciples aren't surely getting that part yet. You know, these are the sons of Zebedee. Their nickname is the sons of thunder uh, that are asking this question. Let us sit at your right and left. You know, it seems like they want to be a part of Jesus' mission in a particular way. And in some way, it's their way of owning the message that Jesus is preaching. They want to be right there through the thick and the thin, even if they don't know what the thick and the thin is yet. And they might think it all might be just easygoing. And Jesus says, can you drink of this cup? You know, and they say, yeah, we're able. We're able. Have you ever said we're able when you didn't even know what you were talking about? (laughs) Oh, yes, I can do that. And had no idea until you got into it for a while. And he said, oh, Jesus, what was I thinking? But here they say, we are able. We can do it. And Jesus said, you will. And knows what's in store. He says, yes, you will. You are able and you will. Those sons of Zebedee cry, shotgun. We get to sit in the front seat. Did you ever play that as a kid? Shotgun. And whoever says dibs gets it first, right? So we called it. We get it. You know? Some of the other disciples weren't so happy about this request of the sons of Zebedee. You know, they knew them pretty well, and they just were just not so happy about this. Made them a little angry. But I want you to notice that in the story, Jesus doesn't get angry. Jesus isn't angry with them. Jesus just says, do you think you can do it? Can you carry this cup? And even if you take this cup with me, it doesn't mean you get to be where you want. You know, we don't know what's going to happen at the end of all this. But, yes, you can carry the cup. I will let you carry that cup. Oh, please, Jesus, help us be faithful. Justice, kindness, walk humbly with God. Let us be your people. Let us do that good work. Let us let go of the trappings that we think we should get because we're doing it. You know, whether it's not enough appreciation or not enough gratitude or not enough acknowledgement of my name, wherever that should be. Oh, God, please let us do it without. Did you like that poem by Michael Coffey? Give us Maseratis. You know, help us. Help us, Jesus, from that which we really want and give us that which we really need. Jesus seems to own his power in a different way. Doesn't need those trappings. Doesn't need what everyone else expects, but is able to reach out in compassion for others. Not to be angry at them, but to say, yes, I love you. And yes, you're on this journey with me. You can. I know you can. Even if you don't really know it yet. But thank you for making the commitment. Thank you for signing up. Even though we may jockey around in our humanness, we may still be committed to go all the way with Jesus like these disciples were, even though we may not know yet what it means in our life. For some of it, it means we got to do some background work. We've got to look at ourselves and wonder what keeps us in the way of being vessels for Jesus. We may want to examine our own woundedness. You know, that's how Jesus identified himself to the disciples later. He said, well, this is who I am. Look at these wounds. We might have to look at some of that for ourselves and do some work to maybe heal some of that in our lives. 
so that then we are able to serve others and that that becomes a strength, that becomes owning our story and owning our power and having it in a way that then we can share it with others for healing and we can drink from that cup that Jesus has for us. Author Henry Nouwen, uh, one of our gay saints, uh, written many books, says, only those who face their wounded condition can be available for healing and so enter a new way of living. When we are honest with ourselves about our condition, we can begin a journey toward wholeness. When we own it, we grow. When we own it, we grow. So Jesus had a sense of who Jesus was in a way that he was ready to have compassion for all those around him even if they didn't get it yet and invite them further down the road wherever that would lead. I don't know when you first had your sense of owning either your own woundedness or something else. I know for me it was my first car. Y'all remember getting your first car, any of you, that first car? It was a little Ford Mercury, and it was all beat up, third hand, I believe. And I remember so excited about that, I took my friends out for a joy ride, and we went wrapping houses one night, you know, that toilet paper thing and trees. You know, we were having so much fun. I was driving away from the curb. They had just finished. The light came on, so they were running to get in the car with me, and I was teasing them, so I was moving over a little bit so they couldn't get in the car while the car was moving. This is safe stuff, right? So, so they couldn't jump in the car, just edging over, edging over, and then, bam! I ran into a parked car on the other side of the road. But that was my car. I owned that car, and I even enjoyed that dent. So this was when we were trying to wrap that house, you remember? And I could tell a story about the, the scar on it. Now, this picture up here is a picture of what Walter's car looked like when we got together. He owned his little, it was a Datsun pickup truck, and it had a big Band-Aid on the side of it. And if you went inside the car, you knew it was his because there were action figures glued at different places along, along the front of the car. And it was his. He made it his. He owned it. And he was proud of it. And he could tell you the story of how that Band-Aid got there. And he could tell you the story of what each of those action figures meant. It was a part of owning it for himself and being able to share it with you. You may have had those stories about some car in your history, in your world, that you know. And even if it barely ran, it was yours. It was yours, and there was a sense of ownership in that. You might have some of those stories about your own body. You might tell stories of the scars. You might tell stories like I do of this tooth right here that's not real. You know, Jim Taylor, I always promised him I would use his full name whenever I told the story. We were playing softball, and I was looking at first base, and Jim was over on third base and thought I was looking at him. He threw a softball right into my face hard, and eventually the dead tooth came out, and so it's Jim Taylor's gap, and he knows that, know where that scar came from. Playing softball was a church softball team that we played in the city league so that we could show the city league what it meant to have people of faith play softball without trying to get too many scars. You know, I've got the other one from my perforated appendix. Got a little one that's almost gone away from where that dog hit me, got me in the mouth, because I just loved it so much, I squeezed it too tight, and it turned around and said, help me. It gave me a bite. You know? But those are things that make me who I am. I know what these parts of things that have happened to me are. 
And I wouldn't trade them for anything because they're part of my story. They're part of my life. You know, if I, I own these scars, these wounds that are part of who I am. You may have your own. You may have that C-section scar that sometimes you might even be proud to show off, maybe to that child that's being ungrateful at that moment. You may have that scar from radiation or from having a breast removed, but these are part of your story. These are part of going through life and inviting God with you, taking the cup each and every step of the way. We have those scars that help us inhabit fully who we are. And hopefully in each time and place, we grow into a different place. We drink from the cup that Christ offers and says there's still further to go. There's still more for us to be a part of. I love this picture of this fellow. And this one I got from this, you know, telling the stories of how the Band-Aids got put on. But then we heal then we own the woundedness, and then we share the testimony of what our faith has been like in our life. That's how we own this story of Jesus for us. We own when we've been hurt. We own when we've found something new. It's a part of who we are. And some of you feel that way even about buildings and places and people and churches. And you'll talk about this building. You'll say, I remember when, I remember when the floodwaters came up four feet up on that brick wall and all of this was underwater. I remember when. I remember when the windstorm came and knocked out those stained glass windows that I still look at on Sunday morning. I remember when two of us got up there on those ladders and didn't kill ourselves getting those pieces of plywood up there. I remember when. I remember those stories. You know, a part of who we are as the people of God are these things that we share together and our desire and our hope to keep walking with Christ no matter what. One of you was sharing with me recently, actually more than one of you, that, you know, I bought those rain gutters three or four times and they're still not up. You know, those rain gutters with the holes in the bottom of them that are rusted, I bought them three or four times, it feels like, and they're still not up. And they say, now I know you told me that the roof was bad and we had to fix the roof before we could fix the rain gutters. And then there just wasn't enough money left. But still, I look at those rain gutters, you know, and I, and I say, my goodness gracious, you know, maybe I'm just going to have to buy them again. You know, what does it mean for us to be a people of God and know that sometimes we're on a track and something shifts our way and we just have to find healing where we can and own it. You know, and maybe buy it two or three times till we get to just the way we want it to be. It's just, it's just a part of life as the people of God. One time, there, the church had a wonderful, great capital campaign. We, we got a million dollars in total gifts. And then the economy crashed the next day. So that million dollar worth of gifts turned into commitments that were about $650,000 worth of gifts. And we tell that story. What does that mean to us? That we did it. We did it. And then we had to start again because of what life brought us at that point in time. So here, we don't even know what it means to carry this cup of Resurrection Church. What's going to happen next week? When's the next time the water is going to get that high? When's the next time something going to happen? And Jesus says to us, right in the midst of those places and times, says, are you going to drink of the cup or not? Are you going to say, we're able? 
And when we say we're able, Jesus says, oh, yes, you are, and I will be with you. Oh, yes, you are, and I will be with you. Each of us has one of those stories. Next week, when we bring commitment cards forward, we will have a story behind our commitment card. This has been a tough year. This has been a hard year. This has been a year where I got a raise and I can increase my pledge. This has been a year where I had to take care of my sister's kids and I don't have any extra cash. I'm going to have to lower it. So each one of you will faithfully bring your commitment card forward next week during that part of the service. And it'll be a part of your story of drinking from the cup. Of committing because you still don't know what 2016 is going to bring. So it's an act of trust. It's an act of faith to do that. There's a wonderful theologian who talks about this passage from the disciples. And she thinks of them trying to think they're going to sit at the head table at the supper club. You know, at the supper club. And her name is Sharon Blizzard. And what Sharon says is, Jesus doesn't invite us to the head table of the supper club. Jesus invites us to join the suffer club as a part of faithful and radical discipleship. To realize that in following Jesus and being part of the reign of God here and now, we open our minds, our eyes, and our hearts to the realities of this beautiful yet broken world. No one gets out of life alive. And suffering is a part of the fabric of our life. Sharon goes on, she says, the thing about being part of the suffer club is this. There is beauty, joy, and hope in serving others. And when we suffer or share the suffering of others, we learn that it means to be what it means to finally be dependent on Jesus. Our righteousness being perfected in each step of the journey. Finally, membership in the Suffer Club puts one in a community across time, place, and context with others who bear the name of Christ. It's a big club with a vast table and good company where there's always room for one more. Can you take the cup? The disciples said, we can. And Jesus says, you are able. Will you drink of it? Jesus says, will you receive the baptism that I receive? Can you do it? And they say, we can. We're going to have a group baptism here on November 22nd for all of those who want to make that commitment in their spiritual journey. Can you receive the baptism? Can you drink the cup? Are you ready for a few more scars? That have a story of faith and love. Are you ready to step out again? In Christ's name, amen.